Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I am your host, Renee Marcoux, CEO of the iHeart Academy and president of the nonprofit Brady's Foundation. In this podcast, we talk about how to enhance your wellness and disrupt the limitation mindset so you can thrive with a healthy mind, body, and spirit. Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I'm your host, Renee Marcoux. So thrilled to introduce you to an amazing woman who is here in this podcast episode today. She is Heather. Her name is Heather Kent, and she is a registered psychotherapist and trauma recovery specialist with an expertise in PTSD, helping restore healthy futures for her clients. Her goal is to help people move past the feelings of shame brokenness, and paralyzing fear through her integrative therapeutic approach to counseling, ultimately helping her clients to live well. And today in our episode, we are going to be talking about recovering from trauma. So please welcome to the show, Heather Kent. Thanks so much for being here, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So tell us um, about yourself, how you got into this work, and uh, give us a little backstory about what really landed you here. Sure. Well, I have kind of two main things that sort of drove me to the work that I do right now. Um, so I'm uh, I'm Canadian. I'm from the East Coast of Canada. Uh, so if I have a funny accent, that's why. Uh, <laughs> I love Canadian accents. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm from I'm from Nova Scotia, so just north of Maine. Um, and so actually, previous to being a, a therapist, I worked uh, in education. I was a, a high school teacher, and I worked in post secondary as well. Um, but uh, so one of the big deciding factors for me to kind of go back to school and and do my master's in psychology was the prevalence of trauma um, that I saw in the classroom um, in my among my students and so I actually worked at several different schools um, that were extremely um, challenging for many different reasons but mostly because of um, racial issues, socioeconomic um, disparities, and sort of lots of of different factors that were at play with really marginalized uh, people. And so what what showed up in school in the classroom was a lot of really um, unpleasant behaviors and um, bad things that were happening, you know, outside of the classroom as well in the halls. But all of that being fueled by what was going on, you know, in, in these students' homes and back, you know, in their communities. And so, you know, we have this expectation of students to come and show up and be ready to learn and sit down and have everything they need. And meanwhile, they haven't eaten in three days. Their dad's in jail. They don't know what's going on with their brother who overdosed. You know, their uncle got shot last week in a drive-by. And so all of these other factors are, are at play that, that the education system just kind of ignores, right? And ex- has these expectations for students to show up and do well um, when, you know, they're extremely <laughs> um, traumatized and dealing with these things on a daily basis, right? And so as a teach, as an educator, we are highly ill-equipped to be dealing with such things. And of course we are not trained to be able to help them in any way, right? With those, with those bigger factors that are, preventing them from showing up and learning, right? So that was a big um, kind of factor that, that, that led to my decision to, to, to kind of 
go back and be able to get the training I needed to do something about it and to help those people. Um, and so I did work in child and youth mental health for the first couple of years, actually. Mm. Um, and the other kind of driving factor was that I am also a survivor of trauma myself. And so having gone through my own, you know, healing journey and, and putting in the work and therapy and all of those things, um, I certainly understand what it is like and uh, I'm happy to be able to provide service to others who, you know, are struggling as well. Yes. Oh, I commend you for that. It's really an important, especially in this day and age as well, very important thing that we all need to be aware of too. And um, I love that that's also part of what you do is bring awareness to other people who know, who don't really know the signs and don't really know like how to identify, you know, if there is a child or an adult or somebody um, in their life that is going through something that they don't know, you know, how to really help them. So I believe seeing the signs is also very important too, which I know um, I read that on your website that you do that as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, education and awareness is, is really important. And especially, you know, for all of us sort of collectively as we are coming through the pandemic um, and everything is shifting back to, a, you know, for better or for worse, pre-pandemic mentality. And a lot of us are still reeling from the trauma of what we've all gone through collectively. And people are now being asked to go back to the office that hasn't been touched in a couple of years. And what does that look like? And how does that feel? And, and there's a lot of anxiety and, and stuff coming up for folks who, you know, pre-trauma maybe we're, we're not doing great but now going back at this point is even harder and so mm-hmm. it's really important for us to be having these conversations I think especially now I, I agree and I think the more that we bring the awareness to it and we normalize the conversation people aren't so you know hiding in the closet about it you know if people are really struggling it's it's kind of a at least in around this part of the world, it seems like there could be some stigmas attached to it. I used to work in the mental health field um, with people who were struggling with uh, alcoholism and addiction to substances. And that was one thing that they were very like in the closet about it. They didn't want to admit to anybody in their family, which, uh, or even the family members didn't want to admit it. Oh, so it's very shameful for what they, very, they yeah. a lot of to those habits, those coping yeah. strategies that they've adopted. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I think that having these conversations are very important to our society and the world at large. And, and, you know, being here with you, having these conversations, I think we can help other people open up their eyes as well. And, um, I've been guided to ask you this question because I was thinking about this before we even came into um, the episode today, but I heard uh, recently from another trauma specialist that um, every person has experienced trauma, whether micro or macro in their life at some point. Is that true? Oh, you cannot arrive at adulthood without having experienced some form of trauma. That is just part of the human condition. It is, it is pain. All humans experience pain um, of varying degrees um, and length of time. And we do have traumatic experiences, um, again, in varying degrees. And just because we've experienced trauma doesn't necessarily mean that we all go on to develop PTSD. um, But certainly it is not possible to be an adult without having experienced some kind of trauma. Yes, right. And then... um, 
do you feel that there is kind of that missing piece amongst people? I know you are expressing about teachers for sure, but that there is that missing piece of, Hey, I've experienced this trauma. I don't know really how to get out of it or how, and then maybe that leads to the PTSD even so more. Yeah. I mean, so there's lots of factors that are, you know, constantly being researched in terms of like, why do certain people go on to develop PTSD while others do not? So there's this whole question of resilience. We look at, um, you know, genetic predisposition to developing, um, you know, anxiety disorders and these types of things. And so there's, there's, that's a really complex question that it really depends on the situation. It depends on your socioeconomics. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your family history, family stability, all of those sort of protective factors that may or may not exist for you um, as you experience the traumatic event. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. What is something that is, I know you work with clients and um, of course, like in the schools and things as well, what are some of the tools that you help Uh, your clients implement if they have gone through a traumatic experience that they're really bumping up against on the daily? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is to understand what's happening because for a lot of people, it can feel really like scary. It can feel like I'm going crazy. Like, why do I feel this way? Or why are, why are these things that used to be easy for me to do suddenly so difficult for me to do? Why am I feeling so um, stressed and angry, or why do I have these emotional outbursts when I never used to? Why am I having nightmares? Why am I feeling so afraid to leave my house? Why do I don't not want to interact with any other people anymore? You know, there's all of these sort of like, ah, what's going on? And so when we don't understand what's happened um, to our brains, then it can feel a little bit like we're quote going crazy, like what's wrong with me, right? And so um, understanding that depending again on the, the, the severity and the length of the exposure to the trauma that happened, or, or maybe it could be a series of traumatic events that happened, like, you know, kind of in, in, in pretty short order. When you, when you survive multiple things that, co- you know, collectively together add up to be like pretty significant, there are um, chemical and physical changes that happen to your brain. And so understanding that the symptoms that you're experiencing are as a result of, of what you've been through is really helpful because it, it, it kind of normalizes and makes sense of your experience and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so understanding that having survived certain things can have long-term effects on what's going on in your brain, which then changes how we can tolerate stress or how we regulate our emotions or, um, you know, things that we identify as threatening, which for other people may seem innocuous, et cetera. Wow. Wow. That is, yeah, that, that for sure, I would love to shine more light on that, you know, just really knowing that the brain has had a different transformation in the meantime, after having those experiences. And it, it really does shine the light on the sense of, of course, people are different individuals, because it's going to be different. Like you said, all factors play a role, yes. but having the, that ability to just know, like at that point of time, your brain transformed into a different way of response. So it's only natural and normal for you to be responding X, like whatever the way that is. Exactly. And so, you know, 
your we call it your brain on trauma or trauma brain or whatever and 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 it, and it is scientifically medically neurologically it is a thing like it is wow. Wow. well researched and documented and so um you know we all human beings are programmed with this thing that i call the our danger meter um and so, and so this is the thing that tells us tigers are coming run right and so this is the thing that that has historically kept us alive you know from our our cave person days neolithic days and so that 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 thing inside that tells us that something is dangerous like be careful you know don't touch the stove because it's hot that type of thing um we have this danger meter right that that kind of goes off and tells us okay like be careful danger whatever um for survivors of trauma depending on you know the severity of that our danger meter may be a lot more sensitive and goes off a lot more frequently. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who are among survivors of trauma, we need to understand that because we might be in a, in a co-working environment, say with someone who has a triggering response to a stapler being given to them, for example. And, and, and then they have a meltdown or something happens. Maybe there's some kind of violent outburst that is just like a a, a automatic reaction to, to, you know, defend themselves from the danger that has, that has been kind of alerted right in their brain. And so the person who hands in the stapler might be like, geez, man, like what's wrong with you? Oh my gosh. Like this is calm down. Right. But really what's happening to that person is that they feel like they are being back in that situation that was extremely dangerous to them in that moment, right? And so they don't see their coworker handing them a stapler. They're back in this other scenario. And, but the coworker may not have an awareness that that's what they're witnessing, right? And neither would the management or HR who is then going to discipline that person accordingly, right? And so these are the conversations that we need to have as well. And like how to be a trauma-informed and safe culture for everyone understanding that there are people walking among us we don't realize are survivors of trauma absolutely yes definitely yeah and and yeah i'm just there's so many questions firing off and of course i keep reminding myself of what you said there's not like a special like here's the secret sauce do a through z and then you're healed right it's like everyone has their own journey um but what would you say for somebody who's like diving in saying, this is me, this is me. I, I really want to be able to heal this. What's your, um, whether you have a technique or, uh, your advice or suggestion that you Absolutely. could so self self-care number one is super important. And so looking at what are you doing to prioritize? And this is the keyword prioritize taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So like my, my big four questions that I ask people, how are you sleeping? What are you eating? How often are you able to move your body, Mm. right? What kind of activities do you enjoy that you are engaging in? What kind of support network do you have, right? Um, Obviously, if they're they're showing up to see me, they're engaging in, in psychotherapy, which is, again, I think extremely important. If you recognize, okay, I am a traverse survivor. I'm having these symptoms. I have PTSD. I think I need to know how to deal with this. 
doing it on your own is extremely difficult. It's possible, but it will take you a really long time. Um, and so, you know, engaging with someone who is, um, you know, specialized and specifically trained to help with these things is really important. Um, and then certainly engaging in self-care, prioritizing, taking care of yourself, making sure that you're able to sleep, making sure that you're eating well, making sure that you are um, in a safe space is your home environment, does it, is it safe? If it's not safe, what can be done about that? Because we cannot heal if we are not safe. Right. Right. The feeling of safety is the, is a visceral, is just as important to our survival as food, you know, oxygen and water. Um, And so we have to feel safe. It's one of the, you know, if we think about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the, the, the baseline, like we need food, we need water, we need safety. Yes. Um, and so if we're not safe, then we can't, nothing else can happen, right? In terms of healing. And so safety is a really important factor as well. Um, yeah. So we need to take a look at that. But yeah, the very basic things, taking basic self-care to, to kind of fuel our body, which helps us to, and, and, and rest our brains, right? Because sleep is just as important as, as food and water too. There's yeah. a reason why terrorists use sleep deprivation as a torture mechanism. <laughs> so we absolutely do need to sleep. And sometimes going to sleep can be really scary for survivors because that's when the nightmares come or they have like really vivid um, memories that come up. And so those are all things that need to be processed with a professional who can help you with those things. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love that you brought in like that is you check in with your clients. Like I need to make sure that I am taking care of myself and starting with prioritizing. And that is the big word because we all have the same amount of hours in the day. Some people are like, oh, but my work takes up all this time. And my scrolling on Instagram takes up all this time. But it's like, let's pause and like actually prioritize. Like, are you giving yourself an hour, two or three hours a day for you to get up and exercise, move your body, get the beautiful endorphins in your brain, you know, functioning properly and, um, you know, getting to that next level of healing. Do you, um, when it comes to PTSD, I'm not completely familiar in that space. Um, but I am curious to know, is there, uh, like a, a time period where PTSD can be fully healed or is it something that you learn to live with basically? It's not a cut and dry question or not a cut and dry answer, I should say. Um, it is absolutely possible to heal from the um, effects of PTSD, but you cannot, um, no therapist or, or strategy can heal what happened to you. Right. Right. And so, and so we, we don't like, we can't erase the events that took place but we can eliminate the symptoms that you experience, yes. right? And when we have a, a sensory reminder or something that brings us back to those you know, negative memories, we, we hope to be able to recognize a, what's happening and be utilize the tools that have been learned to be able to mitigate any kind of you know, um, inhibiting of functioning if that makes sense. Right. And so not to say that you won't have reminders, not to say that you won't have moments that bring you back, but Mm -hmm. you then have the awareness and the, and the tools and the, um, 
ability to regulate yourself and understand, oh, okay, like this feels scary, but I am not actually in danger. This is where I am right now. I'm not back there. I'm here. Everything is okay. Let's do a grounding exercise. Let's do a breathing exercise. Let's, you know, redirect my attention to something else. Like let's call someone, whatever. And then you can move through it. Right. And so we, we can't avoid reminders of past events, mm-hmm. but we, we can um, certainly develop mastery of helpful tools that will alleviate our symptoms. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. And um, I think the tools, especially even with what I do in my coaching career, the tools are what really can help people get from point A to A to point B, you know, in whatever situation that they're in or whatever they, you know, are working on or wanting to mm-hmm. attract into their life or let go of. So exactly. I'm, I'm all about that with the tools for sure. Um, so was there anything else that you wanted to share um, regarding recovering from trauma um, that's coming to the forefront of your mind? Well, and it, I think it's important because being um, a survivor of trauma or, uh, or abuse of any kind, it can feel really lonely and it can feel like you are going through it alone and it feels like nobody understands you and it feels like really hard and impossible. And so I really would love, you know, the message to resonate that you are absolutely not alone and that this is um, a really common human experience and that help is available and that they do not have to face this alone. Yes. I love that. Thank you for that message. For sure. I can relate in my early years going through trauma, childhood trauma alone, definitely felt super lonely. I was very Mm -hmm. scared to even talk about it, like for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And even throughout my life afterward, you know, attracting toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the pattern continued to play until I really had a good look in the mirror about it, but it's, it's, it's beautiful to really impart that wisdom upon people that it's, you're not alone in this and that there is help. And there are people who know how to help you out there. Exactly. And even joining like communities, are you, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like if, where could people find, you know, maybe an online community? Do you have any in the top of your mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, certainly there's lots of groups that are available on Facebook that are like, you know, survivor type of communities. Um, although I would caution just kind of maybe do a preview because some of them can be very triggering because people are maybe overshare or talk about, you know, what's currently going on for them right now. That's really quite abusive or, or you know, not helpful for you to see or read. So you, de- you definitely want to find groups that are focused on, um, healing and moving forward versus, um, you know, I'm currently in this really scary, toxic, abusive, or, you know, violent situation. Right. And so it's important to make sure that you are joining communities that are not going to be triggering. (laughs) Yeah. And it is about the healing and the moving forward. I love that you brought that up for sure. So, um, I heard that you have a book out Yes, actually, I've written a couple of books over the past few years. Um, Would you share them with us? Yeah. So the first one is called I Left My Toxic Relationship, Now What? Mm -hmm. Um, And then my second one is focused specifically on narcissistic abuse. um, And so it's called Heal From Your Narcissist X. 
Um, but it can also apply to basically any narcissistic relationship in your life, whether it be a family member or someone, you know, that you work with or in a friend's situation. Um, and so there's lots of specific um, trauma that happens that that is like kind of very, very tuned into narcissism specifically. And so and there's just a lot, a lot of, of very insidious abuse that happens when you are in relationships with those types of people. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. I know that I'm interested in purchasing that book for sure. I've had a share of that in my past as well. So I'm curious your uh, take on it and your expertise. So absolutely. Uh, well, they're actually both available for free to download from my website. I have oh them. Gosh. Yeah, there's PDF versions. People can certainly buy like the the paperback versions if they would like on Amazon. Um, but uh, they're they're welcome to download for free as well. Wonderful. Where can we find that on your website? What is your website? My website's just my name. So heatherjkent.com. And you can uh, go to the resources there and you can um, get the PDF downloads of either of the books. And there's also a a link on my website. You can book a consultation with me, which is also free as well. Um, If you would like to kind of, yeah, get have a few (laughs) more questions about this is my experience and what do I do about it? Um, so certainly you're welcome to book a time with me as well. That is complimentary and it's also available on my website and you can find me on social media. All my links are there as well. Oh, so it's just heatherjkent.com. Okay. Amazing. I'm going to find you on social media as well. Cause I'm sure I'm going to want to repost some of your, <laughs> your posts. I love to talk to this subject because it's so important and it's Absolutely. not to be ashamed of or feel guilty for or- no anything bad it's more awareness and how to bring that to your future and then those that you affect in your life right children or family members and so on so uh, I'm certainly going to uh, go to your website and and download that book so thank you for that and also um, if anyone would like to lean in be sure to take Heather up on her offer and find her at heatherjkent.com. So Heather, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your passion and your light and with all of us and all the listeners. And I definitely look forward to connecting with you again very soon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful and I would love to chat with you again soon as well. Absolutely. Thank you. And everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. Many blessings to each and every single one of you. The light in me honors the light within you. Namaste. Mm -hmm.